We've had our scripture lessons read for us. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, as we uh, take a look at this portion of scripture that speaks to us about Mary, speaks to us about the greeting that Mary had from the angel and her response. I pray that you might help us to quiet our hearts, to ponder really what is so special about Christmas, and then to be able to come. Come, let us adore you. Lord Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today and give me a usable gift of your Holy Spirit that I might proclaim your word with all of the truth and the excitement and the spiritual unction that it deserves. And I pray that you would open each one of our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were to go uh, down to uh, Cub or maybe to High V and ask the question of just about anybody, um, what is so special to you about Christmas? And this is a, this, I'm going to let you uh, maybe give an answer of what you might uh, expect to hear. Any, anyone brave enough to to venture what you might hear if uh, you ask that question to a number of people. I'll call on you if you don't answer. Family. Okay, family. Many people say family is what's so special about Christmas. Anyone else? The decorations, the things that you, uh, that you see around here and there. Someone else? Special music, traditions, the birth of Jesus, and maybe you would come across a pious person that would say the birth of Jesus. What's so special about Christmas? And you know, as we think about it, oftentimes uh, we uh, come into the sanctuary and uh, uh, maybe we go through the motions and we wonder, what is so special about Christmas? Today I would ask if you would be willing for the next few minutes to slow down. How many of you are tired of rushing at Christmas? Anyone? You're, you've got to get this done. You've got to get that wrapped. You've got to get your cards sent out and the tree decorated. And the food's going to be coming for, uh, prepared for for Christmas gatherings, and you're rushing, 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 but today is a day of rest. And I'm going to ask that you would just put aside all of the rushing you need to do and ponder Jesus, ponder the manger, ponder the miracle, and worship from your heart so that you can come and find that you are faithful. Let's take a look at Mary and the miraculous. You know, as we think about the miraculous things that went on around the birth of Jesus, probably the very first thing that we need to uh, notice is the miraculous greeting. And, and Mary had a miraculous greeting. The angels were a major a part of the Messiah's birth. We see it over and over again at the birth of Jesus. And this, this song simply says, sing choirs of angels. And angels had a big, big part of it. 
The angel Gabriel comes bringing a miraculous greeting to Mary. We've had it read for us, but I call your attention again to it in Luke 1, 26 through 28. In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You know, although this was a very positive, uh, positive message, Mary was taken back by the whole thing. And we notice uh, very, uh, just in a verse or two later, it says there, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why would a person be troubled at the arrival of an angel? If you on a dark night all of a sudden had an angel appear to you, how would you feel? Probably we would all have that same emotion, wouldn't we? We would be troubled, and rightly so. And to tell the truth, here Mary, this humble young girl, all of a sudden was basically terrified because she saw this angel. And we, would all, we should all be afraid because everyone should have a healthy fear of God. If you were to stand before God or one of his messengers right now, would you tremble? The word of God depicts the arrogance of the wicked in this, and it says in Psalm 36, 2, an oracle within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There's no fear of God before their eyes. For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. You know, every one of us should have a healthy fear of God, even more so those that don't tremble before him. And Mary was standing before the angel of God, and she trembled. You know, the scripture tells us that all of us will one day stand before God before the judgment seat of God. And what are you going to do when you stand before God? Do you remember the first time maybe you were watching a, a Western and the, uh, the gunslinger on the other end pulled his gun quicker than the first guy or the second guy there and, and he uh, simply said, get ready to meet your maker. That was a shocking statement the first time I heard it. And are we ready to meet our maker. You know, there are some people that, uh, you know, there, there's, there's two sides or a, a wide variation of people uh, in, in this world. Some people come to church only on Christmas and they, they maybe tip their hat to God and think, well, I've done my duty and, and uh, God's going to be pleased with me because of a few things that I've done or because uh, I've come with my family today. And sometimes, in reality, they only come on occasions. The other things are just more important, and they become their own God. But God says to us, you shall have no other gods before me. But you know, on the other hand, there are those of us who are here whenever the doors are open, and maybe some of you are even here when the doors aren't open because you've got your own key. 
And yet the familiarity of the place. Because of that, you've lost your awe and wonder of worshiping God, the God who created the universe. The fire is gone and going to worship is not much different for you than maybe dressing up to go out to dinner or to go to some entertainment. You know that it should be, but it's just so familiar that some days you go through the motions. Rather than singing from the heart, glory be to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. You know, there's a wide spectrum, isn't there? And yet, no matter where you find yourself, you have to ask the question, what will you do when you stand to give an account before the judgment seat of God? Mary was greatly troubled as she stood before the messenger of God. And you and I should have a healthy fear of God as well. But we notice here the angel encouraged Mary. Verses 30 and 33 through 33, the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary understood the greatness of all of this. And just a few verses later, there in a, a poem, or maybe it was even sung, there was her response. And she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. As you stand thinking in fear of God, what will I do on that moment that I see him? Be reminded that because Jesus was born, his mercy extends to you. That God will be merciful. Mary was greatly troubled, but the angel encouraged her. And we should stand in Mary's shoes. We think next, uh, passing from the miraculous greeting to the miraculous birth, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child, supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. Once again, we notice the angel's participation in all of this. And the angel came to Joseph and explained, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph. Joseph became the adoptive father of Jesus. And then there was that trip. They were going to have a census, but what was the census for? What is one of the things that all of us really say we hate? There, you, you can't avoid death and what? Taxes. Maury, this one's for you. 
The reason that they had to go there was because they wanted to tax everybody and they wanted to make sure that everybody was registered. And so here they had to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. I remember the first time I saw Nazareth, uh, we were in a bus. Uh, Brent Olson, some of you that are in uh, uh, Bible college know Brent Olson, right? He was sitting in the bus seat right behind me. It was raining that day, and, and, and uh, Nazareth uh, is, is almost like a mountainous city, and you're going up and down, and he just uh, spouts out, this is it. I said, this is what? He said, this is the place where God stepped into eternity and was conceived to be one of us. Sometimes we miss the wonder of what's going on around us. They were in Nazareth. Mary, as pregnant as could be, had to travel all the way to Bethlehem. A trip of about 90 miles up and down hills. And of course, you know what happened when they got there. They went to the inn. They know, how many of you have ever traveled? And the, the, the later it gets, the fewer places you can find to, to find a motel. Do you, have any of you ever done that? And you get really kind of testy and grouchy. Do any of you, can you relate to that? And you keep going to places and you can't find a place to stay. And that's what was going on with Mary and Joseph. They went... And there was no place to stay, but they didn't even have a car for protection. And finally, they were offered the stable. And there, there Jesus was born. Rejected. And yet there was a night of contradictions. The baby was rejected on the one hand, and yet... What happened? The angels had spoken to the shepherds and the shepherds came and they worshipped. Think of all that happened to Mary. You know, she really knew that Jesus was God's son. The, the guy that wrote that, that, uh, that song, Mary, Did You Know?, he said, Mary knew, if anybody knew that this was God's son, if anybody knew that Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary knew. Mary knew. She knew the miracle of his birth, and she treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And you too know the miracle of his birth. It happened to save you from your sins. Stand in Mary's shoes, pondering and treasuring up all of these things in your heart. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee all glory be given. The word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. We've talked about the miraculous greeting and the miraculous birth, but think for me for a moment about the miraculous payment. Can you imagine being Mary? Here Jesus was at home with you for almost 30 years. The perfect son, if anybody was a perfect son, it had to be Jesus, right? 
doing everything just right. But then he goes out and begins to start his ministry. He claimed to be God's son, and Mary knew that it was true. He claimed to be God. And the religious people of that day accepted him just like people today would accept somebody that was going around claiming to be God. Put yourself in Mary's place. The jealousy of the crowd turns against your son. They put him to death, although he never deserved it. We pick up Mary at the scene of the cross. As her son, Jesus, is dying there, some of his very last breaths, turning to John, his beloved disciple, and telling him to take care of his mother. Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. Why did he have to die? What happened to all of those bright promises of angels giving him all of that glory? He didn't deserve to die. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. You know, many times we think about things and they don't always go the way that we think they should. And Mary went home that evening in grief. The grief that only a mother can know. Yes, why did he have to die? And of course the reason is because you have committed crimes against the God of the universe. The verdict has come in and you stand guilty before the judgment seat of God. But because of his kindness, because of his mercy... Jesus offered to take your place, to suffer your punishment, and to die for you. He paid the penalty for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. Oh, the payment is miraculous. Mary, though, was not left in her grief because the miraculous things did not end with the miraculous payment there was also the miraculous resurrection. Mary's son came back to life to prove that he had victory over sin in the grave. And Mary saw her son victorious. The scriptures show her meeting with the church regularly after Jesus returned from heaven. The resurrection. You know, it really is the linchpin of all Christianity, isn't it? If the resurrection happened, then everything is true. But if the resurrection didn't happen, everything is false. You know, as we think about the resurrection, there was a, a man by the name of Lee Strobel, and uh, uh, he was a, a lawyer. He had uh, graduated from Harvard, and then he went to uh, he went to the Chicago Tribune because he was also a journalist, and, and he uh, did many of their... Uh, uh, reporting on, on murder cases and, and deaths, and he thought, you know, Christianity is absolutely untrue. And he was a, an avowed atheist. Then his wife came home and told him that she had become a Christian. And uh, he began to see changes in her life. Changes for the better at 
Yet he thought, I am going to break her out of this cult because using my, my law understanding and my journalism, I am going to research the resurrection and prove once and for all that it is absolutely untrue. Unfortunately or fortunately for him, as he studied and looked into it, every aspect turned out to show that the resurrection did happen. He finally came to the conclusion that, yes, Jesus did die and rise from the dead. One of the uh, aspects, and I'm not going to be able to find it here in the book, I'm just going to have to tell you, but he said the final, the final thing that actually brought me to the place where I believed that it was true was a man that said, what about those disciples? Oh yes, they were following Jesus, but after his death, everything came crashing down and they, they ran and hid. But eventually, those same disciples ended up seeing what they called Jesus and then proclaiming that he was alive and they most of them were tortured and actually put to death for claiming that he had risen from the dead. Now, very often a person might put their faith in something and, and uh, believe that it is true, maybe even go to their death believing that something is true. But these men knew whether Jesus died and rose again or if he didn't. And they had seen him alive. And because of that, they were willing to die because they knew the resurrection was true. And they also knew that death would not hold them because Jesus would take them to heaven. The miraculous resurrection. Oh, come all ye faithful. Come, let us adore him. Lord Jesus, today I pray that, that you would help us to see how miraculous all of this was. That you loved us so much that you came and you died for our sins so that we could live in heaven forever. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.